wondering where you're going. Well, right now I'm off to a, to a clinic to see a doctor. Okay. What for? Um, you name it. I got it. I'm in bad shape. I'm sorry. It happens. It happens. Is this he, is all sound? This is all just sound. That's cool. <laughs> you ask a question, I'll answer it. So I see you use a stick. What's that for? It's a cane. <laughs> it's a cane. It's for keeping me... How do you say, when, I, when the pain is too heavy, I'll just lean on it. You know? It's really to help me get around. You look like a man who's dealing with pain. I can sort of see it on your face a little bit. Yeah, I do try to hide it. You look lovely as well, but you... I thank you, thank you. <laughs> do you mind me asking what you have? Well, it has to do with arthritis. Combination of arthritis and depression. Yeah. Big time. I mean, I used to be happy. Now, I'm, I'll, be, I'll be glad if I could be neutral, you know? Not feeling up or down. Are you getting on the train? Are you getting on this train? Yeah, I'm getting off next stop. Yes, it is. Okay. Go on in half. Do you want to sit down? Do you need to sit? I get off next stop. So, how long have you been here doing that? Doing this? I can stay for the week. So you said on the platform you used to be happy. Oh, yeah, of course. Then, uh... I don't know, everything everything seems to fall, collapse on itself, you know, life is not as beautiful as it used to be. I mean, we all get old. That's, uh, I guess that's part of the deal once we're born. We're born to grow old and one day die. So, I'm, I'm what you call it, the hump. And you know, you the hump. very old. Oh, I took care of myself when I was younger. Now that I'm older, well, it's all catching up to me. I was very athletic, very active. And then uh, that's, that would wear and tear on the body. You won't feel it then. You feel it as you get older. Did one particular thing happen to make you less happy than anything else? Well, Is this your stuff? Yeah. You want to get off? Yeah, let's get off. Why not? It's outside. Anytime outside, it's a good thing, right? Yeah. Did you know that this is the, the highest elevated uh, train in, in New York, or I think the whole world? I didn't know that. Yeah, I found out when I heard two people talking about it. This is the highest elevated train in the world, you know, built. So you can see the whole of Manhattan, more or less? Yeah, it's pretty... It's pretty uh, cool for for sites. Look at that. Look at everything growing. See, everything there is like over to the left. Everything's already completed. But as you look straight ahead and over to the right, it's booming. It's it's growing all over again. That building over there is probably going to be the tallest one, right there. Where they're still working on it. Yeah. yeah. They add a little more. Yeah. You don't seem like. I asked you the question whether there was one particular thing happened that made you more miserable than anything oh, else. Oh, well, you know, it's kind of personal that I would not care to share, but it really touches, touches base with me. See, uh, I used to perform as a, as a swordsman, the icon, warrior-class swordsman from Bro uh, Washington Square Park. 
coming from Brooklyn, bringing it out in Washington Square Park, and I was happy. Then I had to retire. Then I got married. And then I was happy again. But then my wife died about four years ago, and ever since then I haven't been able to put it back together, you know? What did she die of? I'm so sorry. That poor girl, man, she had so many issues. I mean, a lot of issues. She had a colostomy, she had a trach, she had, they had to open her up emergency surgery because her colon was perforated and they had to do it real quickly. So she, you know, I almost lost her a lot of time. She was in a 60 day coma, uh, induced coma. I was by her bed every day, even through Christmas and the holidays, I was right by her bed, reading to her, talking to her. Then um, she died in my arms, and I've been trying to move on ever since, you know? We've been seeing her, therapist. It's working out, though. It's working out. I, mean, I try not to let it show, but it's there, you know? You say she died in your arms. Oh, yeah. She, um, they warned us, they told us that it was coming, you know, like uh, there was no... Uh, there was no plan B or C. It was, you know, the hole in her trek was getting smaller and eventually she was gonna die. And, well, they warned us about it and then a day came and it just felt like it was too soon. And she couldn't breathe and I was doing everything. She, I had, my house was like a, like, a, like, a, like a hospital ward for one patient. I had a lot of machines. So I was, you know, um, when she stopped breathing because the machine she wasn't breathing. So then I started shaking her up and doing everything I can to get her started. And then I did get her started. But then by the time the ambulance came, they they um, took her to the hospital and the doctor said that uh, she wasn't strong enough to, to hang on. So ever since then, I've been, you know, taking like one day at a time. I told my counselor, I, clinic I go to, I, I told my counselor that I feel very depressed, want to talk about it. He says, I can't help you, you have to see a professional. I told him, no. I told him, no, we're not going to see a professional. Me and you are going to work this out. <laughs> a week later, I was in there, I said, listen, give me a, give me a, re a reference, because uh, I was getting these panic attacks, and if anybody never had a panic attack, it's like having a real heart attack, and it, you can't breathe. You can't take air in or blow air out. You can't spit. You can't move. You feel like you're dying. Man, it's scary. Yeah, so naturally, I, you know, I said, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. I'll go see a psychiatrist. Sure enough, I was diagnosed with severe depression. Depressed individual. It sounds like me to me that you did a beautiful thing caring for your wife in that way. You must feel proud of that. In the beginning, I felt I let her down because she died on my watch. But after a while, I realized that I was lucky to have her with me in the last moment. But sometimes when I think about it, it triggers a, a panic attack. I'm on medication right now, so it's when I get a panic attack now, it's like I can grab hold of it. I can, you know, take control and pass, bypass it. So rather than talking about her when she was really sick, what was she like when you met her when she was oh, in her prime? Beautiful girl. I saw her when she was 15, 16. 
and she had the she was the most beautiful girl in the world and I wasn't I was I was in my uh, pimples pimples era you know I was 16 17 myself so she wouldn't have nothing to do with me and she didn't even know that I had feelings for her she didn't even know I existed then I seen her when we were in our 40 and it was like we were waiting for each other we were looking for each other because uh, she worked in a video store and she looked at me and says, can I help you? And I said, yeah, can you give me something on the Sopranos? She pointed the way, but it's the way she did it, you know, the way she talked, she was like tired. And I was tired after work. And that was the second job. So it just like clicked. She didn't know me, she didn't know. You knew her, was she still beautiful? Oh, yes, of course beautiful girl in the world she'll always I'll always see that 15 year old girl it's all there even when she came out of the hospital and she recouped a little you know she was still beautiful and I told her she was so happy you know I said look at you baby you still got it man they beat the hell out of you and you still standing looking good and then she says oh man honey that's why I love you so much and I says wow I think I've never lost anybody like that, but to have loved like that, oh. that's a gift. Indeed, at least I had it. I had it a couple of times, really. I had broken hearts. They go by broken hearts. When you love someone, you don't realize how much you love them when they, till they're gone, and then you miss them so much, you realize just how much you love them. Same. Hell, I fell in love when I was five years old. No lie. Follow the home. <laughs> My third was love to hear that, right? It's important to us. Please stand away from the platform edge, especially when trains enter and leave the station. The time is 10 o'clock. Thank you for riding with MTA, New York City Transit. Good morning. That girl likes her job, right? <laughs> you can tell. She's perky. Yeah, she is. A swordsman, a true swordsman is a gentleman, a gentleman who cherishes Mother Earth. He's protector of the weak, he's champion to lost causes, and above all, he is true to the self. But you say you did it as a job. How do you do it as a job? Oh, I was a performer. I used to cut oranges with a wooden sword. And I'd let people throw the oranges my way. And I'd draw the sword from my scarlet and cut the orange in half. And then I got, it got so good that I, was, I had three people throwing it simultaneously, one right after the other. And then there'll be six pieces on the floor and I'd pick them up to put them together, let them know, hey, that's a pretty good cut. And then I'd pass the hat around. Oh, by then I already passed the hat before I cut the oranges. Good living? No, it kept me in cigarettes, pizza, beer, and good times for a while, yeah. Where did you learn to be a swordsman? I grew up right here in Brooklyn, Bruce Lee movies, 12, 13 years old, graduated from karate to swordsmanship. Ever since then, I never looked back. Do you still practice? Once a swordsman, always a swordsman. I'm a wounded, you can look at me and say I am a wounded knight, a broken knight.
That's what I have. Broken name. We were talking on the subway platform at Smith 9th Street Station. With an elevation of 26.7 metres above ground level, it was the highest rapid transit station in the world when it opened in October 1933. Where Are You Going? is produced by the team at Loftus Media and is recorded by me, Catherine Carr. <laughs>